Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 61 of the Fly Route Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. Sherlock Woj, a.k.a. Kendrick Perkinson, and I am joined here by two fantastic guests. You all have met them both before. Go ahead, introduce yourself. Let's start with Terrence. What's good, T.O.? You got any AKAs for yourself today? Hey, the only AKA that y'all probably gonna hear me go by is Tweak Street, baby. <laughs> hey, keep it consistent. I fuck with it. All right, Sam, Sam, what's good? Welcome back to the show. You got any AKAs for yourself today? Uh, AKA Lakers down bad. AKA please come back, LeBron. <laughs> that, that's how I'm feeling today. Thanks for having Sound me back, hopeless. bro. Sound hopeless. I'm just throwing that. Oh, oh, there's still a lot of season left, but hopeless to start for sure. Oh, there is definitely a lot of season left. And that being said, we are getting back into the role of both NBA and the NFL. They're both kind of at their high points going on. So we have a big show for you today. We are going to talk about the free cap movement. I'm going to put on my Sherlock Woj cap and connect some dots about why I think Carl Anthony Towns is probably the next superstar to get moved. We are going to get into the run pass option where we give you the hottest sports news in the week and let you know whether we are going to run with them or pass on them. We are going to get into the five fly picks for week 11 of the NFL and let you know what bets that we are really, really feeling. Sam is going to hit us up with the most marquee games to see in the NBA this weekend to get back on track. And last but definitely not least, we are going to give a big, big ballers bouquet to Melvin Gordon of the Denver Broncos. The, 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 the fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. Welcome to the tea off. Ooh, 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 ooh. Spread that tea, sis. This is how I like to start the show off. I like to spill some tea on our favorite athletes and some of the crazy situations they get themselves into. And today, we have to talk about Carl Anthony Towns and the Minnesota Timberwolves. There's been a lot of speculation going on, a lot of rumbling under it. It's, it was trending on Twitter a couple of times, the free cat hashtag. And it's Carl Anthony Towns, the next guy that is actually going to be moved, right? We see a lot of people thinking Damian Lillard is on his way out, right? Although Dame says that Dame ain't trying to go nowhere. Cat, on the other hand, there's been... Let's just say a couple of things that have been quite interesting. So I've been playing Sherlock Woj where I see a lot of the things that happen in the media. And I'm like, these things are not disconnected events. Right. Towns is in his sixth season playing for his fourth head coach and his, I want to say, third head executive. So there's been no type of sustainability going on at the Timberwolves. During that time, he has won less than 40 percent of his games, made the playoffs only one time. And we all know which time that was when Jimmy Butler decided to beat their ass with the third stringers and let them know that they weren't going to be shit without him. Unfortunately, so far, that has been kind of the case. So before we get into a lot of the different details surrounding my story for why I think Carl Anthony Towns is on his way out, I want to hear from you all. Does the free cap movement have some legitimacy to it? Let's start with Sam. So I think there's obviously some room to be concerned if you're a Timberwolves fan or if you're just someone who wants Cat to be on the Timberwolves. 
The recent stuff that's gone on with him maybe or maybe not liking the tweet, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more later, as well as like the clip of him going back on defense while Anthony Edwards is like dribbling and not passing the ball. I'm sure we'll get into talking about that a little more. And it seems like these are always the type of things that lead to someone demanding a trade. Even in the early stages, we always hear the player being like, no, that's not what I was saying. Like it, it kind of reminds me of like Eric Bledsoe when he was on the Suns a couple years ago, <laughs> tweeting, "I don't want to be here," and then people asking like, "What were you talking about the Suns?" And he was like, "No, I was at the hair salon with my girlfriend, and I wanted to leave." Like, sure, there are all these like different things that could, that could have been meant or like could be meant by sort of the the different expressions of unsatisfaction with your team, but I think there is cause for concern. I don't know if there are trade packages out there being developed yet, but I know that front offices around the league are definitely interested in a player of that caliber, seemingly having going through a sort of a rough patch with his team. And everything you mentioned about their lack of success and lack of stability, I think only will feed more into that. All right, Tio, where you at? I mean, y'all don't leave me no tea to spill at all. But at the end of the day, I, <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. He's definitely on his way out. Um, like I said, this organization has completely failed him. I mean, winning less than 40% of your games over a six-year span, all those head coaches, and then, you know, not to mention all the players that have come through the organization as well. Like you mentioned, Jimmy Butler, and you got people like, now you got, you know, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, and just things haven't worked out. So at the end of the day, just like an organization can be, oh, I'm done with this player, I want to move on from this player – a player should have the same option, the same, you know, rights to be able to be like, listen, it, it ain't working. And in this case, six years, I've given you six years of my youth, you know, some great basketball that's gone down the drain. So the best years of his point, life. Yeah. Some of the best years of his life. And he, it's time for him to go. It's time for him to go for sure. <laughs> okay. So for me, I'm with you all. The tweet was big. The, Obviously, the walkie back on the court, which uh, we are also going to talk about. But the first thing that happened for me was in September when Carl Anthony Towns was asked about the shakeup at the head office where that guy had to resign at the last minute, where everything kind of seemed to be going well. And it was at this point where I kind of knew that the free cat stuff was real. So I'm going to let you all hear cat here speaking and this is preseason like this is before the season even started. Cat seemed to be already fed up. With the team. <laughs> what happened last week, it, it just added to the list. You know, it's just the same thing every single time. You know, it's something that's always leads to instability. And I joked about it the day before that I was like, man, that's been a real quiet offseason for Minnesota. It's very different. Boom. Made sure they had one left in the hat. So, really, uh, I, I've, I've, I've been through almost like I feel like everything. Like, I, I don't feel like I've not seen something. You know, I, I've been through everything, been through death of a head coach who, who gave me this ability and this chance to play for Minnesota. And I'm forever grateful to the Saunders family and I, I owe it my life in a way. Um, I've been through numerous front offices. I've been through numerous regimes. Um, I've, while being blessed to have so many great teammates to play with, I've also didn't have a chance to really build any true relationships with anybody because always instability, always change. I mean, I, I, I've been I've been through a lot. I mean, been just it's, it's I think about it in my mind. I, I really been through everything you could think about. 
you know, uh, from, like I said, front offices, coaches, players. Being COVID. COVID. That's just, that's just now. That's, you know, I've been, I've been everything from deframed by teammates, been a scapegoat for people, just COVID, my own personal life. I mean, shit hasn't been easy since I came here, but the only thing that's constant is me being a consummate professional and all of that. All right, there it is for me. How about we kind of break that one down a little bit? Because he, he had a lot to say there. That Like, that was actually a really long quote by him, talking about the constant turmoil <laughs> that he has kind of went through while being there. <laughs> and, like, this is before he liked the tweet that said free cat. And did you not know that he had not liked anything on Twitter for the five days prior to liking that tweet? Not a single thing was on Car Anthony Towns' Twitter for five straight days that he likes free cat and leaves it up there for like half a day before he says, I have been hacked. Like, remember, this was the excuse. <laughs> I had been hacked. Uh, and the hacker just liked one tweet that said free cat and did nothing else. Seems kind of likely, you know? If you had access to someone's Twitter, wouldn't you just like one tweet and dip? <laughs> This is kind of bad. I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of what you see now a lot more than ever, like players forcing in the hands of these organizations. But at the end of the day, it's like there's no other way for him to do it. Like what other option does he have other than forcing their hand? He ain't asked yet, though. We've seen him say, like, okay, so this was interesting to me. He's like, through all the turmoil, the one thing that has been constant is that I have been a consummate professional. That tells me that Car Anthony Towns maybe is asking for a trade. We don't know yet, but it sounds like he's not going to be the guy that's going to make it public, force the teams. Like, you know, you know, like Ben Simmons, Ben yeah. Simmons wanted to make sure he caused a uproar and like a lot of uh, hoopla around his trade request, right? We, James Harden. Refused to come to camp, <laughs> camp and then came in massively overweight because he wanted to force the hand of the other, like, of, of his team. Mm-hmm. That don't seem like the way Cat is built. Yeah, I agree with that. Do you think that, well, that that message was more like a call to his front office to give him more stability more than, like, uh, sort of a precursor for a trade demand or something like that? Because it sounds like you could take it one of two ways. Either it's him in good faith kind of pleading with the organization to show him an effort at at consistency, or you could see it as him just like sort of showing his desperation and and kind of the precursor to him asking to be moved potentially. But I just looked it up and he is on contract until his last year is 2023-2024. So that's an interesting complication in, like, uh, his ability to have leverage and stuff. That's only two seasons after this season, though, right? Yeah, it's this season and then two seasons. Yeah, yeah, that's true, especially next season. uh, If if he's not committed to signing an extension, maybe it won't happen this season, but I feel like in the future, in the next season or two, this this conversation is not over even if it doesn't happen in the next few weeks or whatever. Maybe it gets worse, though. Yeah, I think this is going to slowly build because you're like, maybe it's a good faith thing. But then he likes, then someone, I'm not going to say he because he said he was hacked, some person (laughs) liked this tweet 
And then it comes up to this game this past week where this play has caught a lot of people's attention. So let That's me go ahead. Thing. The play? That's the yeah, big Unfortunately for our audio-only audiences, you will not get to see the play. But on this play, what you see is Anthony Edwards just dribbling up the ball. And before he even, like, sets into a shot, Cat starts walking back on defense. Now, are people just making too much out of this one sequence of ball, or does it really say something? Terrence, you're already shaking your head. Let me know what you think. No, it definitely says something. It speaks volumes because, like he said, he's been nothing but professional. But, I mean, honestly, it's been the same thing, like he said. Like, just when I didn't think there was going to be, you know, maybe that was it, boom, something instantly happens. So, you know, with him remaining professional throughout this whole thing, now all of a sudden it's actually coming out to the public now because you're doing it on the court. So, in a sense, it's kind of like a Ben Simmons where you're gonna you're gonna you know stir or make some turmoil. So then, therefore, okay, I gotta force your hand, like James Harden gotta force your hand. OBJ's dad, I'm forcing somebody's hand, you know. So at this point, now it's action now. Like, hey, like I'm just not gonna be interested in the game at all, you know. So I feel like it's definitely gonna. I mean, I don't think it's going to do anything but, you know, increase from here. I don't see it getting any better, honestly. All right, Sam, I want to leave you with the last word on this. You you saw this play, and what really came to your mind? I agree. Um, I am usually, I think, kind of like contrarian or like trying to be skeptical of this kind of thing. So I went in looking and was like, maybe he was just running back because there was like one second left on the clock and someone had to get back on defense. But there's like eight seconds, like when he starts running back, and he has no intent to try to go get a rebound. And I really do think it like signals like, I know he's not about to pass the ball. I'm just going back on defense, like in a frustrated way. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's great. Okay, so this is definitely something that want to. So this is definitely something I want to keep, uh, you know, eye on going forward. Like we all know, Ben Simmons is a name that has to be moved soon. Everybody's hoping for Dame, but that doesn't seem as likely as early. We're not hearing a lot of Car Anthony Towns, and I think that should be the name that people are thinking of when we think about the next possible star in the NBA to move. But that was your tee off. Oh, oh, spread that tea, sis. Spread that tea, sis. Let's stop, play boy. All right, we're getting into the RPO run pass option segment for the week where we give you the hottest sports news and let you know whether we are going to run with them or pass on them. All right, the Patriots are hot right now, winning their last four games straight. And the uh, look, Terrence is already over here doing this money dance. So he's going to love this question. What is the ceiling for this Patriots team this year? Can they get past the AFC championship game? Terrence, run or pass? Is that even a question? You know I'm running. <laughs> I'm running off on the plug with this one. So for me, honestly, I, I don't think there is a ceiling. Honestly, like we don't know. Like this is one of Belichick's best coaching years that I have seen to start off two and four, arguably should have won, you know, some of those games against like the Bucks, the Dolphins, you know, and so on. But I mean, the way that this team is ascending, the defense is now playing lights out football. Now you have in a sense, the shackles coming off of Mac Jones and the way he's running this offense, a lot more responsibility is being put on him as well. 
And now we're starting to see some of those throws to where he's each week gaining confidence, gaining confidence. And this past week against the Browns, that was a great performance. And you can see, you know, how much they're putting on him, the way he's checking the plays, calling out, you know, coverages or, you know, checking the plays to the run or, you know, whatever it might be. And like that strike to Kendrick Bourne, that shows me all I need to see. Like that's not a rookie quarterback putting that ball in there like that, you know? So honestly, to me, they go as far as, whew, I mean, we're, we're playoff bound, but you know, it's a stretch to say, you know, we're, we're going to Super Bowl, obviously, but I asked you, plan and can you offense, get past the AFC championship? I mean, I don't know. Belichick is a great coach and the way he has the team playing right now, we're, we're getting better and better. And to go from two and four to six and four. So we won, you know, four straight games now. Play Atlanta tomorrow. I'm going to call that five. Like, uh, yeah. tomorrow. So, I mean, Belichick hasn't playing great complimentary football right now. Running the ball. I mean, great. You know, and Matt Jones, the way he's able to quickly, you know, uh, read the defense, throw guys open and everything. You know, I, I was um, reading and I can't remember uh, exactly what it was, but he has one of the highest – you know, uh, release times in the NFL too as well. So by the time he gets the ball and makes a decision, he gets the ball out of his hand. So, I mean, okay. it's exciting to see him because he failed to us. Like, it wasn't like we had to trade up to go get this guy. And just like Tyran Matthew said, hey, he wasn't trendy enough for y'all, but now everybody on him, you know? So at the end of the day, I'm just glad we stayed steadfast, got him at 15, and, you know, he definitely looks like a guy. He, he can definitely play quarterback like Tyran said. Okay, so Sam, I want to know what you think. Can the Patriots get past the AFC Championship game this season? No, not this season. They, I think, had their turnaround this season has been remarkable. Um, I just don't see Mac Jones leading this team to a Super Bowl in his first year. Not saying in the next few years it can't happen. I just don't see it this year. Okay, I'm I'm kind of with Sam here. I'm not going to lie. I could see them getting to an AFC championship game, especially because the AFC is kind of soft right now. Like, the Titans are head and heels above everybody else when it comes to record, right? And then we got everybody else who's shown a lot of flaws. And I think because of that, they can win a playoff game or two. But then it's just like, all right, AFC championship game. Is Mac Jones going to outdo Lamar? Is he going to outdo Mahomes? Hey, listen. What if we make the playoffs come through New England? It's a whole different ball game. End of the day, honestly, Belichick has shown, hey, I can make Mahone, my homeboy, look like a regular quarterback. I can, you know, I can beat Lamar Jackson. So it's not like we haven't done it before. Cam Newton is in line to start against his former coach, Ron Rivera, playing on his former team the Carolina Panthers. Do you expect a big revenge performance for Cam Newton this week? Run or pass? What's good, Sam? Uh, I'm running with it. I expect a big revenge performance. I think he put himself off to a great start um, this past week. Had a couple big moments in that game. I'm back, the whole thing. So I really think he's uh, in a place mentally and physically where he can really impact the game. And uh, the Panthers need it from him. Like, uh, the, the Sam Darnold project clearly, I think, has, has clearly run its course, at, at least not looking like what they wanted it to be. And I think Cam uh, provides a lot of flexibility for their offense, and I think he's supposed po to have a big week. All right. Where are you at, T.O.? Big week yeah, from Cam? I, yeah, I definitely agree with Sam. Um, he's going to have a big week. Um, this team desperately needed Cam's energy and his leadership. 
And you can see that from this past weekend, you know, um, him coming in and instantly being a leader on his team. And, you know, before, like you came on a couple four podcasts, for example, and, you know, we had the guests on their uh, sons or Jeezy and what he was saying, free Robbie, you know? Look, Robbie looked like he a he new looked, man. He looked free. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So <laughs> you can tell that Cam's instantly came in and the whole, you know, energy of this team has changed. And I've never been big on Sam Donald since the draft. Never understood why he was so, you know, highly rated or whatever. But they, this team needed Cam just as much as, you know, Cam needed them. And to be able to fix that relationship, mend that relationship, I feel like it's great. And now, you know, they still have a chance to compete, you know, to win some games moving forward and potentially make the playoffs, potentially. All right. The Detroit Lions are somehow going to find a way to go 0-16 when the NFL has created a 17-game schedule. Are you buying the 0-16 Lions this year? Runner pass, T.O. I'm running. Listen, them boys can do everything but win. That's all I got to say on this. Like, I don't understand what's up with this organization. And like you said, they're the only team that's going to find a way to go 0-16 in the 17-game schedule. This is interesting, Sam. Are, are you buying 0-16 Lions? I'm actually going to pass because I agree they can't do anything right and they will figure out a way to mess up their draft odds and win games that are meaningless down the stretch. Oh, that would be the worst. It's just I think like, they'll win like the last three or something like in true Lions fashion. <laughs> oh, that is that is actually significantly worse. I like that. They'll finally buy in. The eating the kneecaps will finally lead to some wins at the worst possible time. Yo, that that is great. Okay, let, let, let's keep it moving. The Golden State Warriors are 12-2 and two to start the season, and they haven't even got Klay Thompson back, who has recently been cleared for full practices with the team. Is the dynasty back? What's good, Sam? Run or pass? So I'm going to say run, but I don't necessarily think that it means dynasty over like a sustained like three or four year run or anything like that. But for the purposes of this year, Golden State is back. Um, I think Steph Curry is, if not the front runner for MVP, top two right now. And they look scary. And if Clay comes back and is even like a semblance of what he used to be, uh, it's just even more reason to fear. They're definitely the best team in the West right now, and they're probably the most fun team to watch in the NBA, in my opinion. Okay, I did watch them beat the ever-living shit out of the Bulls, which is tough, but that was <laughs> fun otherwise. Are you feeling the Warriors' dynasty, T.L., run or pass? Man, listen, I, I'm I'm with Sam. I don't know if they're going to be on this type of level for the next couple of years, but like he said, for like this year, next year, like you said, if um, I mean Steph is playing out of his mind, like just to carry over from last year and just to keep playing at that same high level, and then you're gonna get another, you know, a shooter coming back who's pretty much missed the last two seasons, and you might as well say he's gonna be fresh. I mean, he's gonna be honestly, if he comes back like he was two years ago, and he's like one of the best two way players in the league. I think the shot I mean, should still be there. Watch the out. shot. I think should still be there. I'm not sure about the defense. Just because, like, the speed, the lateral movement, et cetera. But the shot, the shot should still be there. And that in and of itself is ridiculous. All right, let's keep it moving. 
In more Washington football team news, Heineke seems to be the guy for the rest of the season. Ryan Fitzpatrick is seems like he's not going to play at all because his hip injury is taking significantly longer to heal than they expected. And there is a lot of buzz that the Washington football team was looking at Mitchell Trubisky during the trade deadline, but more importantly, are interested at looking at him in the offseason. Do you think Money Mitch can help the Washington football team reach their potential in 2022? T.O., runner pass. I got a pass. It's a hard <laughs> pass for me. I'm sorry. For me, man, like I, I don't even understand how he was highly rated as he was during his draft class, but I'm passing. Like, there's better options out there. Jimmy G, try to go get Jimmy G. You know, maybe you can potentially prior Russ and maybe that defense starts to perform better. Um, but there's better options out there. I, I'm just not sold on Mitch Trubisky. Although he did look a little better in the preseason, I was like, wow, this looks like a totally different quarterback. But I'm still not sold on it. What we've seen the past couple of years in Chicago, it's a hard pass for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, Sam, you feeling any different? I completely agree. I'm passing on it, too. I feel like as a Bears fan, you know better than anyone why. Like, it's just not impressive. Like, just go get someone in the draft. Even if you're, like, late in the draft, you could find someone potentially with the same ceiling. So I, I, I'm going to go with Heineke the rest of the year, and I'm good on Money Mitch if, if I'm Washington. <laughs> oh, wow. Poor Mr. Bisky. It's like we give – Okay, here's what I'll say, just to play a little devil's advocate. We've been giving Nagy a lot of crap this year, not being able to scheme properly, not being able to coach properly, not really doing things that could help a quarterback behind a really poor offensive line, right? There was even that video of Nick Foles on the sideline going, this offense isn't working, right? Like, we are still 100% out on Mitch, but also believe Matt Nagy should be fired. And those two things, to me, kind of have a little bit of tension there. Because if Matt Nagy is as bad as everybody is saying, then is Mitchell Trubisky as bad as we think? It's possible, but it's also possible they could just both be ass. And like, <laughs> that's true. That's true because at the end of the day, there was a lot of plays. Like I can recall watching some plays when he was with the Bears. And, I mean, Mitch just couldn't get guys the ball either, though. Oh like, my god! He just I'm sorry. The ball. So I agree. I agree with Sam. It could honestly be both of them because Matt Nagy definitely need to be out of the position, but Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, you know, okay. I'm not sold on him. I'm not sold. All right, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, know, that was great. All right, DeMar DeRozan is getting a lot of attention finally on the Bulls, averaging almost 27 a game, shooting over 50%. But people are acting like this is brand new for DeMar, right? He averaged almost 22 a season each year he was in San Antonio on 48%, 53%, and 49.5% field goal percentage, respectively. So he's always been a high percentage shooter, averaging a lot of points. And that makes me think, is DeMar DeRozan just the most slept-on player in the NBA prior to this season? Run or pass, Sam? Uh, run. He is was the most slept-on player in the NBA coming into this season. He was consistently called the worst contract signed in free agency. People were wondering why the Bulls gave him that much money, especially talking about his age. But I think a lot of it has to do with just he was not on – 
teams that people are super excited to watch. Like, like people mainstream and just like casual basketball fans do not like watch the Spurs unless you have league pass and, or are like watching them online. You're not watching the Spurs the same with like the, the pre Kawhi Raptors. So I think that just like his market has caused people to sleep on him a little bit too, because yeah, he's been doing this for multiple teams pretty much his whole career. So I don't really get it either, but yeah, I I'm going to run on that. All right. uh, Tio, where are you at? DeMar most slept on? I'm wrong with that one. So DeMar, if you look at the past couple of seasons in San Antonio, they just honestly haven't been that competitive. And then, honestly, this really looks bad on the Clippers and the Lakers for not signing this man. Like, this man just came to L.A. and walked the dog on both of them, if I ain't mistaken. So this really looks bad on them. I feel like he did what he was supposed to do. Come through, hey, I'm going to show you why I deserve to be here. Because, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he wanted to come to L.A. So he's definitely slept on, and I've always liked DeMar DeRozan. But like you said, he's definitely an underrated player for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy people were sleeping as a, as a Bulls fan, you know, C-Red. <laughs> but here's what I'll say. DeMar DeRozan was so slept on that there were like three dropouts in the West for the All-Star game last season. And the third alternate spot they gave to Mike Connolly over DeMar DeRozan when Mike Connolly already had two other teammates in the All-Star game, DeMar DeRozan was averaging 22 points on 50% shooting. And the Spurs had a positive record. They were the only team uh, in the West who had a positive record who did not have an All-Star at the break. Facts. Thank you. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not dissing Mike Connolly, right? But DeMar was playing exceptional basketball and just getting blatantly disrespected. So that was your run pass option. Let us know what you think. Gallus, Gallus, Gallus County Playboy. All right, all right. We're going to get into an OG fly route segment. We are over halfway through the NFL season. We have seen most of these teams, and usually at this point in the season, you think you know who teams are. This year, this point of the season has been the most confusing of all. So I want to talk about the award slates going into the week 11. We want to start with the MVP. The MVP. All right, let's start with T.O. Who do you got winning the MVP right now? So King Henry didn't get hurt. I had King Henry. However, since, you know, by injury, he's not in this. I'm going to give it to Lamar Jackson. Some Somebody who honestly has been putting the team on his back, even through the circumstances, losing all his running backs, losing one of his top corners, and just going out there and getting these wins and proving people wrong. People say, oh, Lamar Jackson, he's a running back playing quarterback. Man is slanging the rock. And, you know, he's, he's playing great ball. So I feel like, to me, at this point, I think I will give it to Lamar Jackson. All right, Sam, where you at? I'm giving it to Matthew Stafford. Um, I think that by the end of the season, he will catch up with Brady in terms of touchdowns, and I think he'll sustain his lead in yards. And I think he just showed that, like, once he was in a winning situation in an organization that really prioritized winning, he could instantly be plugged in and be one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And I think by the end of the season, he will have the numbers to make uh, a good run for the MVP, and the Rams will have the record. Okay, I, I like these picks because they kind of lend to a conversation I want to have. MVP is weird now, right? So 
Stafford coming off two bad losses. Lamar coming off two bad losses. Kyler was really high up there, deservingly so. Has been hurt the last two games, right? And that is starting to make me think Dak Prescott is a sneaky MVP candidate for what he is doing in Dallas right now and how prolific that offense is and the kind of streak that they are on as far as winning. Like Dallas had a bad loss to the Broncos. All these other teams have been taking multiple bad losses. And at the end of the year, it's really looking like Dallas might be the team far and clean out of the mud as far as just disappointing performances, especially from the quarterback. And that might end up allowing Dak to sneak on in there. And that's something that I want to keep in mind now. I want to move on to offensive player of the year because this one is interesting to me. I think real, real close. All right, Sam, who you got right now for offensive player of the year? I'm going with Matthew Stafford's teammate, Cooper Cup, who I think also has a good claim to MVP in his own right. Um, I think they're more likely to give it to a quarterback uh, and that Cooper Cup will probably end up default getting offense player of the year as a result, leading in receptions and yards right now. He, their connection is just amazing, so that's why I got to go with him. Yeah, okay. Um, I will say that this has been a little bit interesting for me because I feel like Cooper Cup is far and away the most popular pick. T.O., who do you got rolling right now? Honestly, I was going to go with Cooper Cup as well. I mean, he's done things. I mean, man is, you know, nobody, honestly, before the season had this man playing at this high of a level. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him crack 2K receiving yards. Like, man is balling insane. And the connection with him and Matthew Stafford, like, in year one, it's just unheard of. It's, it's it's insane, you know, the type of connection they already have. So, I honestly would have to get a cool cup. Okay, I got my dark horse here, and this is Jonathan Taylor for the Indianapolis Colts. Mm, like Jonathan that. Taylor has 937 rush yards, nine rush TDs, over 300 passing yards, and a passing TD. He is kind of single-handedly doing a – it's weird to say a poor man's version of Derrick Henry, but if we're being perfectly honest, a poor man's version of Derrick Henry is the second best running back in the league. Uh, so he's been kind of doing a poor man's Derrick Henry for the Indianapolis Colts. He is, in fact, finally now two-plus games out with Derrick Henry not uh, playing, tied Derrick Henry for rushing yards uh, the, on the season to be tied at number one. The next closest person is like 200 yards back from both of them. And that is, I want to say, uh, Chubb in uh, Cleveland. So let's move on to Defensive Player of the Year. T.O., who do you have being your Defensive Player of the Year? Man, this is rough, and I'm not going to lie. Um, but I think the league tends to favor pass rushers. So if I had to go with uh, someone who would sneak in here and get a Defensive Player of the Year, potentially Miles Garrett. I mean, he's he might be on pace to break the sack record. So that's something to keep in mind. But I, I think the league, like I said, tends to favor pass rushers. And I'm a little hesitant to give it to Trayvon Diggs because, like, he gambles. Yeah, he, he has, you know, interceptions, a couple touchdowns. But we we have a lot of ball left, and we already know how consistent Miles Garrett is. So, you know, Trayvon Diggs is stepping onto the scene now. I'm not sure if he'll be able to, you know, sustain – continue getting that many interceptions. Um, but he does give up big plays because he's very aggressive. But 
Miles Garrett, I think, will take on that defensive player of the year this year. All right, Sam, you feeling anybody different? I agree with all of that. I will want to say I'm going with Trevon Diggs. I think he'll end up breaking the interception record. You can never know that or predict that. Yeah. It's an impossible thing to know, but I think he has a good chance. And if he ends up doing that, uh, then that's a great narrative for defensive player of the year. So I'm going to go with Trevon Diggs. I also think Miles Garrett is a great pick. I actually have TJ Watt. And I am once right. again like campaigning for TJ Watt to get the Defensive Player of the Year award. He has won last season and did not get and was probably arguably up there for the season before. Now, Miles Garrett is close to looking like he's going to break the sack record. TJ Watt's only half a sack behind Miles Garrett. He has three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries as well. Like, this man is not playing either, and he has played and he has missed games still putting up this these numbers, right? So I like TJ Watt a lot. I like I feel like the injuries kind of kind of kind of owed one here. Uh, let's move on to the offensive rookie of the year, and I feel like this might be the most open and shut case in the NFL. All right, so everybody believes it's Jamar Chase. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say Jamar Chase, but then at the same time. We're going to see if he's able to sustain the level of success he's had early on. And honestly, the league tends to favor quarterbacks here. So in my case, I would think it would be Mac Jones if it's not Jamar Chase. I actually think Mac Jones wins the overall rookie of the year award. And they might give the offensive rookie of the year award to the like, it's kind of like MVP. It's like rookie of the year is kind of like MVP is going to a quarterback and then, yeah. you know, the Offensive Player of the Year award probably goes to the guy that, like, might have, like, the MVP consideration but just <laughs> won't get it because he doesn't play quarterback. Running down to Defensive Player of the Year, I, I I have Micah Parsons up here, and I'm not sure if anybody is really competing Same. with him. Yeah, I, I, I think that one's pretty open and shut, too, yeah. honestly. <laughs> okay. The, I think the last one, the last two are comeback player of the year. I think Dak has also already crushed that one. People can't compete. So coach That's of the year, yeah. coach of the year is the one that I think is interesting that we should end on. Who do you all currently have being the coach of the year? All right, T.O., I want to hear what you think. Because you're going to, I think you might say something that I have a lot of things to say about. Listen, I, as bad as I want to say, Bill, I honestly have to go with Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. Mm. And the way that he's transformed, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals, even with, you know, a lot of the, you know, controversy in regards to picking Jamar Chase, for example, when they should have went off the line, you know, but it's worked out. So at the end of the day, it's like, hey, I have to go there. And the way that defense is performing, you know, they're definitely overperforming, but they're getting it done. They're playing ball. So I think I'm, I'm going to give it to Zach Taylor. The only reason I wouldn't go Cliff Kingsbury too or Matt LaFleur, I, f- I feel like, you know, it was expected for them to win games. Like look at Arizona Cardinals offensively and defensively. They're built to win games. Like there's no reason for them to not win games. And then same thing with the Packers. You got Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, couple injuries here and there too now, but you know, before the season coming into the season, but they're still, you know, high winning games. So, and we expect that from them, you know, but the Bengals as of, I can tell you how long have been just, you know, mm, mediocre. We'll win a game here and there, but this year they're like dogging people, you know, and they're coming out here and they're, they're performing well. So I think I give it to Zach Taylor. All right, Sam, where you at? I'm going to go with Sean McVay. 
I end up think or basically my logic kind of lines up with me mm. giving Stafford and in Cooper Cup the the offensive awards. I just think that the Rams will end up being the best regular season team by the end of the year, uh, and that he's put up a, a, a good coaching season, especially with the way he's handled Daryl Henderson and kind of transitioning their run game away uh, from what was happening at the beginning of the season. I think that's been sort of an interesting evolution for the Rams and the way that a lot of people doubted Daryl Henderson, kind of him being plugged into the offense. And I think that's another kind of just uh, example of good, good Sean McVay coaching. So that that's why he gets my pick. I mean, All right. The only reason I wouldn't go there is they're, they're so star-studded. Like, they have so much talent. And I don't know. That's the only reason why I probably wouldn't go there. Okay. Yeah. And that's why I'm going with Vrabel for the Tennessee Titans. Oh, Vrabel, too. I, I didn't yeah. Think Vrabel, so this team is good. This team lost Arthur Smith to the Falcons. People were like, can their offense still get things going? Without him, he was the architect. Look, they came out, and they were punching people in the mouth. Right? The offense was still chugging along. And then they lost Derrick Henry, undefeated since. The offense is still moving, not as great, but it's still moving. And what we have seen is the defense turn around massively from last year. Vrabel was supposed to be a defensive guy, and now they're winning games because of their defense. And defense was actually the liability last year. That's coaching. That's losing your offensive coordinator, still keeping the offense going, losing the best running back in football, still keep the offense going and turning the defense around. I actually really like Vrabel, especially if they can keep the momentum going into the end of the season. Hopefully the storylines pick back up for them. That's our awards ballot for the NFL just 10 weeks into the season. Let us know what you think. Are we sleeping on anybody? And we'll get to the next segment. Y'all is Tony Playboy. Y'all is Tony Playboy. All right, it's time for the Fly Five Picks. You know what it is. Look, last week I went one and four, and this possibly might be my worst week ever. I got my ass beat each and every single way. The only game I got right was the Patriots versus the Browns game, and I called that one because I knew that Nick Chubb would be out for COVID protocol, and so would Raven Felton. So, like, yeah, you're a run-based team with no running backs against Bill Belichick, who just has to stop Darren and Johnson, was an easy pickup for me. Now, that has created a little bit of a new process for me. I got, like, a four-thing checklist for each of the picks that I'm making now. I'm going to see if this gets me back into the green and I can pull a quick 5-0 and turn my season around. So let's get started with the first game. In the first game, I have the Packers versus the Vikings. The Vikings are two-and-a-half-point dogs at home, and I am taking the Packers to cover minus two-and-a-half. The Packers' defense has been lights out right now, and that's a problem for a Minnesota defense that has been disappointing to be nice all season. Like, they are clamoring over getting Patrick Peterson's back off IR this week. That's how desperate this team is, right? The Packers are top three in opponents' points per game and yards per game. The Vikings are somehow one in three against the spread at home this season. So I am actually really liking this pick. How do you all feel about Packers v. Vikings? Who are y'all taking? Love that pick. Love the Packers in that game. I didn't know the thing about the Vikings being uh, so bad against the spread at home, which is interesting. Uh, so I love that pick uh, and definitely think that Green Bay's defense can carry them 
and really the offense has to step up, which has usually not been the case uh, when talking about Green Bay. So that's interesting. T.O.? I like the pick as well, but I'm, I'm going to go Vikes. Okay. And I don't know, man. They just got to they gotta turn the page. And I think the I think the pack are due for an L as well. So Okay, I will say that people who are betting on this game, take a look at the weather report before you put in your final bet. It is expected to rain and snow Monday, Sunday morning in Minnesota, which could lead to a big run-heavy game where Minnesota has Dalvin Cook and the Packers are down to only A.J. Dillon. So I, I will keep that in mind. Now, let's move on to the next pick. I got the Colts versus the Bills. The Bills are seven and a half point favorites at home. I am taking the Indianapolis Colts as dogs. I, I can't really say this in another way besides the fact that I think the Colts are going to expose the Bills. I've been saying that the Bills are fraudulent for a while now. Uh, and like, to be fair, they have had some good wins like against Kansas City before we figured out that people thought Kansas City was kind of bad. But over the last couple of games, they played Miami twice, Washington, Houston, Jacksonville, and the Jets. They lost one of those games. So, like, it's not like the Bills are crushing people because they're playing bad teams for the most part. <laughs> and the Colts are probably the best team that they have faced in a while. So the Colts are 3-1 and one against the spread as an away underdog this season and 4-2 and two against the spread as an underdog period. Jonathan Taylor has been a monster this season and it's looking like it's going to be a cold and rainy day in Buffalo and I like that for the Colts who have been able to run the ball effectively versus the Bills who have had trouble establishing the run especially in the latter half of the season where y'all at on the Colts v Bills what's up Sam I like the Colts covering the spread I'm glad none of us had Josh Allen in our MVP candidate conversation because I agree with you. The, their schedule has been super easy the last couple of weeks, and the fact that Vegas has him with the highest MV, or the best MVP odds right now is just kind of weird to me. I don't think he's going to end up even replicating what he did last year, didn't win MVP. So regarding this week, I, I like what you said about Jonathan Taylor, especially kind of exposing uh, some some holes in the in this Bills defense that has been good up to this point in the season, but playing against offenses that are not great. So I like them covering the spread. You with it too? I'm honestly going to go with you guys on this one. And for the simple fact that if you think think about it, think about a couple weeks when King Henry was still on Titans healthy and what they did to that Bills team. Ran the ball down their throat. So, And the Colts have been running the ball very well, like you said, with Jonathan Taylor. And then they also have Naheem Hines coming out the backfield as well. So Honestly, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to have a big day, and I think the Colts will cover the spread, I think. All right, we run into the third game, and this one's more of a pick The Bengals are playing the Raiders at home, and the Raiders are actually 1.5-point dogs at home. And I am taking the Bengals as a one-and-a-half-point road favorite. Uh, look, the Raiders seem to be collapsing, like – they got off. They they can't go a week without having something new in the news that they got to be distracted by. Like this last week, 
They got Gruden now suing the NFL after the Damon Arnett thing, after the Henry Ruggs thing, after the first Gruden thing. Like, it's kind of been a disaster for them. And the Bengals are so far a team that scores more points and gives up less points, three both ways than them. And the Raiders still are having trouble establishing the run. I like the Bengals coming off a bye, having focused on the Raiders for the last two weeks. Versus a Raiders team that feels like they're a little bit distracted. Where are y'all at on this one? What's up, T.L.? Yeah, I agree with you. I like the Bengals. Um, I think they're going to be playing better ball than the Raiders as of late as well. Like you said, a lot of distractions. Um, I definitely like the Bengals to cover this week. Um, I feel like they still have a point to prove and they're still playing for something. So I, I like the Bengals for sure at this point in the season for sure. I like them against the Raiders. Feel any difference, Sam? I agree with y'all. I will say that I bet against the Raiders the week the Gruden shit happened and they won. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I agree. I I like the Bengals. I like the Bengals against them specifically. So I agree. All right. This next one is the game of the week by far. And it's the Dallas Cowboys versus the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Kansas City Chiefs are three-point favorites at home. And I have no ever-living clue how the Dallas Cowboys are dogs going against Kansas City and at three points at that. So I'm taking Dallas plus three. People are overbuying the Chiefs' returns. I know they've won three in a row, but they have done that against not very good teams. The Raiders, the Giants, uh, and the Packers without – Aaron Rodgers, right? The Dallas scores the most points in the league. Kansas City scores the 10th most points. The Dallas defense is 10 spots higher in points per points given up per game than the Kansas City defense. Dallas is also 8-1 against the spread this season. The Chiefs are 3-7. The best stat here is the Chiefs are 0-5 against the spread as a home favorite this season meaning they have covered zero times. This actually might be my safest game of the week, which is usually always the pick I get wrong. But Dallas plus three. Where y'all at? Sam, what's good? Agree. think people are buying way too much into Mahomes' great performance from last week and think that will automatically just carry over. I think that my defensive player of the year, Trevon Diggs, will pick off Mahomes at least once. Uh, and on on – on the way to a Dallas victory, not only covering the spread, but winning the game. So uh, I think that all of the stats that you listed for how Kansas City has performed against the spread, especially at home this year, just make me not want to – like, why would I bet – why would I bet knowing that? It's a sucker's bet. It is. <laughs> it's a sucker's bet. They're like, oh, everybody loves Dallas. They're so good. And they – I mean, sorry, everybody loves the Chiefs. They've been so good so long. And people love betting the Chiefs as a favorite. All right, so Tio, where are you at on the Dallas Kansas City game? Yeah, I'm definitely with both of y'all. Dallas is going to cover this. I mean, to me, Dallas might put a whooping on the Chiefs. Like, and like, no shot at the Chiefs, but that, the Dallas defense has been, you know, overperforming at times during the season, and they make plays, you know, when it matters. Just the Chiefs sometimes they make plays when it matters, but. Just like I said last week, it's too much firepower on that Cowboys team. And they're playing well. They're a well-oiled machine right now. And the Chiefs, they're – they're well, what should I say? They're 
Um, the best part of the team is the offense, and they haven't been looking that, that good. So at the end of the day, I feel like the Cowboys, I mean, man, it, you know, they might win by, you know, 14-plus potentially. Okay, that's a, that's a, that's that's a big bold. one. Yeah, okay, that's a big one. All right, look, I'm I'm going to move us into the last pick for this week, and I had a little bit of trouble picking number five here, but I settled on the Saints versus the Eagles. The Eagles are one-and-a-half-point favorites at home, and I am taking the Saints as a one-and-a-half-point underdog, Saints plus 1.5. Alvin Kamara has been seen back in practice this week. I think that's going to give them a huge boost and give them a lot more offense. And we know this is actually what the Saints team has been struggling to provide lately, especially since Jameis went down. It's points. It's getting down the field. It's scoring with the opportunities that they do have down the field. And they still play Tennessee close without him, only losing by two points. So Philly has actually been a team that is better than a lot of people think, but that's because their run game is really good. Right, They are exceptional with the run. They have the second highest run percentage in the NFL, and they are top five in yards per rush, yards per game, and rushing touchdowns. They are 28th and 27th in completion percentage for passes and passing yards a game. NOLA has one of the best run defenses in the league. They are first in opponents' yards per rush, first in opponents' yards per game at only 73 yards a game. NOLA only gives up 73 rushing yards a game. I like that. The Saints are also 3-0 against the spread after a loss. 4-0 against the spread as an underdog this season. Eagles are only 1-3 against the spread at home. I am taking the Saints plus 1.5. Where are we at, Sam? Agree. I think that the defense, Sean Payton's game plan, and Kamara carry them to a win. And I would also be interested to see what Sean Payton's record is like over the years like record after a loss. Cause I, I bet that that's not just a thing this season. They game plan really well. And I just think that they'll have success against the Eagles. I right, T.O., where you at? Yeah, I have to agree with you on this one. Uh, I have to go with the saints. Like you said, for the simple fact that the Eagles won't be able to run the ball. And when you make Jalen hurts and the Eagles have to pass the ball to beat you, they're just simply not going to be able to get it done. Honestly, uh, the saints, you know, they also have some good corners as well. So it's not like, hey, yeah, we, we're going to be able to stop the run. But if you air it out, you know, like the Bucks defense, for example, you air it out on us, you might have some success. But with them, hey, we got Marshall Lattimore. We got Garner Johnson. We got Matthew Jenkins. You know, we, we got guys, even, you know, DeMario Davis can cover. So, you know, we can do – we can stop the run and we can stop the pass. So against a team like the Eagles, I don't think it will be a problem covering this at all. The only problem for me is Trevor Sam. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a playboy affair. All right, all right. We have Sam here, which is really helpful because Sam is always locked in on the NBA, like always locked in on the NBA. So he is going to let us know the marquee matchups in the NBA this weekend so you know what games you need to see and don't get any clunkers. Take us away, Sam. Okay, so there are three games this weekend that I think are worth really paying attention to if you're a fan of the NBA. The start to the season has been really interesting. We're about 10, 11, 12 games in, about an eighth of the way through the season. And the standings are not what you would have thought they were coming into the season. And that's especially true for the first game I'm going to talk about. It's the Washington Wizards squaring off against the Miami Heat on Saturday. The Wizards are the number one seed in the East right now. Even with Bradley Beal missing time, 
That bench is stepping up. Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, Spencer Dinwiddie. A lot of these players are having success and have led Washington to the best record in the East, and they're squaring off against a Heat team that has also looked very strong to start the season. So I think that's just going to be a great team matchup. If you want to watch good team basketball, those are both good teams playing at a high level right now. Um, Both of them have probably the first and second six-man-of-the-year candidate, uh, Tyler Hero for the Heat, Montrez Harrell for the Wizards. The price going back up for Montrez Harrell. The (laughs) price going all the way up, and I love it. As a Lakers fan, it really just pains me to know that we were just misusing him the entire time. And but I'm happy that he's in a new situation and flourishing. I can't be mad. I'm glad Montrez is sort of back in the element of one of the best bench players in the NBA that we've seen him in that role the last couple years, and it's good to see him back there. Um, The second game that I think is worth paying attention to is also on Saturday, and this is more of a if you're looking for more of a player matchup, it's the Hornets versus the Hawks, LaMelo versus Trey Young, two of the most exciting players in the NBA to watch this season, squaring off against each other. We just saw a very exciting game between LaMelo and Steph where the Hornets came out victorious against the Warriors. And I think you can kind of expect similar energy because Trey Young and Steph play the game at a similar pace in a similar way. You can expect a similar energy for this game. I think that, you know, the Hawks as a team have gotten off to a slow start to start the season. Expectations are super high, but they also got off to a slow start last year and eventually got back on track. So I think that both of these teams are super exciting. Both their star players are going to make for a great matchup. And then the last game that I think is worth really paying attention to for the weekend is on Sunday. It is a uh, showdown between the Clippers and the Mavericks, a rematch of the playoff matchup that has happened the last two seasons. And I think this is going to be fun, even though we're still missing Kawhi. Paul George has been playing at an MVP candidate level. He's definitely a top five MVP candidate right now. He's one of the leading scorers and probably a candidate for defensive player of the year because the Clippers are a top five defense, even without Kawhi being anchored by Paul George. Uh, and one good thing about this game is these two teams really hate each other. If you don't know and, and, and didn't really pay attention to their last two playoff matchups, these teams do not like each other at all, even though Pat Beverly is no longer on the Clippers and a lot of the sort of antics that happened between those teams were centered around kind of him and Luca going back and forth. I still think it will make for kind of a good dynamic, and Kristaps Porzingis, been balling out lately kind of seeing him come back into form so definitely a good game to pay attention to all right i like that do you know if luke is going to be able to come back did he like uh roll his ankle it's been kind of day-to-day yeah luca is day-to-day i think they're hopeful that he could be back by the weekend but maybe if he's not back it makes for an even better game with like sort of missing their two best players kind of evens out and we get to see a, a full kind of KP first player. Like, what does he do in that instance versus Paul George as the alpha of the Clippers? I think that could be fun, even in a world without Luka, but definitely hoping he's back for that game. Okay, I like that. I like that. Two big games on Saturday means that you can watch sports all weekend long and still get your Sunday football in. That is the marquee games for this week of the NBA. Appreciate Sam for coming by and sharing that with us. Let's hit up the final segment. Gallus Tony, Playboy. 
All right, all right. Welcome to the final segment of the show, the heart of the show, Ballers Bouquets. Too often in the media, people only want to focus on the negative and salacious things athletes do and never want to give them their credit where credit is due. Here, I like to make a change, and this week's Ballers Bouquet goes to Melvin Gordon of the Denver Broncos, who hosted a meet-and-greet session with the Boys and Girls Club of Kenosha, Wisconsin, donating $10,000 amongst other gifts and prizes. So for a lot of people who don't know, me included, when I started this research, is that Melvin Gordon is actually from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, then, like, went to school at Wisconsin-Madison and before going over to the Chargers. Now, he hosted a meet-and-greet session with the Boys and Girls Club of his hometown and decided to make a 10000 donation to the club. He also provided free gift bags to all the kids and then gave away two $500 cash prizes to people to do holiday spending with. On top of all that, they also did a gift baskets with like things that people could use for Thanksgiving dinners amongst just like other items for people who are in need. And an interesting thing about this is because he did a meet and greet with the boys and girls club. And that is great in and of itself. But on top of that, he created an event where other people could just come access Melvin Gordon. So what did is he sold autographs for like, you know, 20, $40, et cetera. He raffled off things like a Jersey of his tickets to Broncos games that were at home, with the Broncos. And then what he did with all of the proceeds from all the other people who wanted to meet Melvin Gordon, take pictures with Melvin Gordon, get his Jersey, et cetera, et cetera. He took all all the proceeds from the raffles and then also then donated the proceeds to charity. So he kind of hit a big three for one all at once, just meeting with the kids, which is dope. Then giving the donation to the boys and girls club, then raising other money for local charities in Kenosha. And this was actually big. It happened this week. And that is why Melvin Gordon gets this week's ballers bouquet. Any thoughts? Yeah, I have to commend him. I mean, that's what it's all about. There's, you know, when you get all that notoriety and wealth and, you know, things of that nature, you know, what's good of, you know, having all of that if you can't help the ones around you or help the ones that have influenced your life or, you know, help your community. So I feel like that's something that's, that's really big. And I feel like, you know, I, you can do nothing but commend them, applaud them, support them. Um, and just, you know, it, it's great to see, you know, a black man giving back to the community because, you know, it's probably things that, you know, were never done for him. So, and to be able to be, oh, I'm Melvin Gordon, like I play in the NFL to give that hope to these kids. Like, Hey, I'm from here. Like this is, this is our community and I did it. You can do it. You know? So to be able to, like you said, let them have access to him, which is, you know, probably one of the better things than just giving them, you know, things such as toys and stuff, because, you know, you can actually inspire them and light a fire under someone, and, you know, motivate them to want to do better in life for sure. So man, I love it, honestly. Okay. Big facts, big facts. That is it for episode 61 of the Fly Route podcast. I want to thank Sam and T.O. for coming on the pod again. 
uh, of course, y'all can catch them both on Twitter. They're both super active. T.O., you can shout out the Cover 4 with the Guys podcast as well as your personal Twitter. You can catch me. I've been on the Cover 4 with the Guys podcast the last couple of weeks. We've been chopping it up. Everything NFL, giving you all great content. Let them know where they can find that. Yeah, y'all can find us at Cover 4. So cover the number four underscore with the guys, just a W for the width. Um, and we, we're pretty active on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on YouTube and all the other streaming platforms as well. So, you know, if you want want some dope content and some interaction as well, definitely hit us up on Twitter and, and give us a listen as well. Sam has been a big friend of the show, been on multiple times, also getting into the content creation game. Is there anything you want to shout out, let people know to keep a lookout for you? Well, all my social media shit is private because I work with high school kids who like look up my stuff and, and so I had to make it private. But if you want to follow, I will accept your request at Gustafson Sam, G-U-S-T-A-V-S-O-N, Sam. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I tweet about mainly sports stuff. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks for having me on again. It's always super fun to be on here yeah. and chop it up with you guys. All right. Yeah, I, I appreciate, appreciate love. I appreciate both of y'all for coming on. If you, whether or not you all listening on Audia, Spotify, YouTube, just catching clips on Instagram, Twitter, etc. I appreciate each and every single one of you, each and every share that happens and that grows the podcast and we grow together. And I cannot wait to bring you all episode 50, 62 with a six next week. The, 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 the fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly-